Not a newsflash here. we got prices going up on everything, including mortgage costs, if you're uh, carrying a variable rate mortgage. And prices of homes are coming down. But even with market corrections around the country on housing prices, the dream of home ownership, especially in a place like Toronto, is still completely out of reach for most people because the prices are still going to remain sky high here. And they're high in the areas that we assume are going to be cheaper. Uh, Stats Canada releasing some figures back in 2021 showing that 77% of Ontario's census subdivisions actually saw values go up by more than 50%. Um, so again, it, it, the prices are coming down, but they're still really high. And it's no easier if you're a renter, assuming you can find a place, because those costs are also very high and the demand far outweighs the supply. And um, none of these housing affordability issues are new to the decision makers. They've had plenty of warnings that the housing shortages were going to be coming at us. And so we've hit the wall. I want to bring in Kat Eschner. She is TVO's affordability reporter. And that is one of the busier beats these days, Kat. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Alex. This week, you really dive into what is called the greatest source of inequality in Canada, and that is affordable housing, which, so you center in on generation squeeze. And, and it's interesting because I was reading as when I got your, your kind of focus of this week, I was just finishing up an article reading that, yeah, prices are coming down in, in Toronto, which is great news, but they're still really, really high. Yeah, no, I mean, wages or house, home values have become so completely decoupled from local wages in Toronto, but in a number of other places as well, that we can talk about prices going up or going down. But at a certain point, it's it's all kind of academic to anyone locally who is looking to to buy somewhere to live, whether that's, uh, you know, a, a detached home um, or a condo or even looking to rent at a place that is, you know, bigger in scale than what they have currently. Yeah. And then the reality is, though, even outside the big urban centers like Toronto, um, hmm. there's no guarantee because you can say, well, I'm going to go to a smaller place. But Hamilton, um, you know, all these other outside areas that people might go to are still very, very expensive. And so that that isn't even an option for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it's true. And also, um, you know, the affordability is is housing affordability is is bad right now frankly everywhere pretty much across the province so it's not like you know no. driving until you can afford to buy is a realistic option for most people because driving until you can afford to buy means hours and hours away from anywhere they they work or where their families are or anything else they might want to do yeah and and then you kind of zero in because some say well forget ownership i'll just continue to rent but even that market is not just a, a survival of the fittest um, there, there isn't a lot of, uh, you know, product out there where people can, can, you know, shop around and there are huge amounts of demand for that product. So you can be into a bidding war, even just in the rental market. Oh yeah, for sure. I was talking to my, my esthetician a while ago and she was talking about how she has been outcompeted. This is in Toronto for mm -hmm. six months looking for an apartment for her and her boyfriend. And there it's from people who are paying six months rent upfront, who are paying years rent upfront. Um, you know, just that the whole market is just very different than it was even a few years ago. But I think it's also important not to just focus on the supply issue. Um, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there is a supply issue. We do need to, uh, you know, build more housing. We do need more affordable housing. And this is one of the things that the guy I interviewed from Generation Squeeze, Paul Kershaw, told me. He also emphasized that like there's simply too much riding on housing that has nothing to do with uh, housing in the sense of people actually having a safe, secure place to live. About 14% of our national GDP is tied to housing and real estate, which is yeah. 
really, really Crazy. high. It's much higher than many other countries. And, you know, comparatively, like when you think about uh, things that are included in GDP, you also think about how many people are employed in that sector. Only about 2% of Canadians are employed in that sector that is producing 14% of our GDP currently. Yeah, it's an interesting point. That doesn't get talked about a lot, but the fact that housing is running our economy right now uh, is problematic because if you get a big course correction like they did in the United States in 2008, what else are we left with? I mean, it, it will lead us into some incredibly big um, uh, issues. So that that is something that doesn't get uh, you know talked about. But also interesting is that this study that comes out on the same day that you do your report is that the things that government can do to make it more affordable for people, that they just don't do. And so we learn that municipal red tape that causes a lot of deba- delays for builders who probably could get this housing on the market. You know, they're delayed to the point of $100,000 of extra costs on a home 50,000 grand if you're looking to buy a condo. And then, you know, the, the things like land transfer tax for, let's say, a first time builder or, or homeowner, they won't remove that. So the things that government can do and should do and should have done, frankly, a long time ago, they're not doing. Well, I mean, I think it's worth also considering when you think about $100,000 or $50,000 that, again, it's completely academic. So, like, I'm not a homeowner. It's completely academic to someone like me. I'm a millennial. I live in a small apartment. I talk about this in the story. You know, and and it makes no sense to move into a bigger apartment because of how much they cost. Um, and it, you know, home ownership is simply not on the table. Um, yeah. So, you know, if it's a hundred thousand dollars for most of us, that's again, that's academic. But I also think it's worth talking about um, when we're talking about government interventions in this. This is a really hot potato issue. This is something that governments have been really hesitant to address. And I talk about why in the piece. So the reason that housing is so so blown out of proportion as part of our GDP, but also that it's so um, so unaddressed by politicians, relatively speaking, is, and this is something uh, Paul Kershaw said to me, he said, and I, this was jaw-dropping to me, just to hear someone actually say this out loud, but you know, the reason there isn't some tremendous outrage about rising on affordability is because the people benefiting from housing of inflation are, are, and then he said, like, are regular people. They're regular, everyday homeowners who got in back in the day. You know, it's a lot easier to talk about like foreign ownership, which is actually pretty low. It's less than 5% nearly everywhere. It's it's not a huge factor in this or, you know, sort of all these other things. And it is to talk about the actual problem, which is a combination of the fact that both people who own a single residence have seen it like skyrocket in price or in value, home value more than double, something that is completely unrelated to what they paid. And, you know, we also need to talk, I think, about multiple property owning Canadians who represent a third of all residential properties. So this is someone who has a home that they live in, but they also have a cottage that they rent out, or maybe they also have one or two investment properties. And I can't blame any of these people individually for this. Like, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think any of them set out to contribute to this housing affordability crisis, but it it comes down to the way the whole system works to sort of uh, make housing this sort of financial tool rather than having anything to do with like, making sure everyone has a safe and affordable place to live. Yeah, and on the flip side, there are a lot of people who own homes, and that's all they've got. Like that's their pension, that's yeah. their retirement, that's their that's Completely. their leaving to the kids. I mean, there there are people like in the middle class who, who that that is what they're going to survive on because they don't get a, a lovely pension uh, from the government uh, once they're gone. And so there are challenges up and down. The the answer though, Cat, is not um, immediate. I and mean, we hear the promises. Oh, affordable building. Yeah, great. That's three four years down the line. People need some kind of clarity now and we're just not going to get it uh, and you know 
anytime soon. That's the concerning thing. Yeah, it is. And one of the other things, like, and again, one of the other reasons why I think politicians are sort of slow to act on this, other than the fact that, you know, a bunch of their constituents, um, you know, are homeowners who will be really affected by prices going down and are multiple homeowners in many cases, much like a number of MPPs mm-hmm. themselves, or MPs themselves. I think the other thing is that, like, the solution to this isn't going to be one thing. Like, you can't just pass one policy and all of a sudden this is fixed. This is going to take a long time, but it's also going to need to be really multifactorial. So there's going to need to be a number of things happening all at once. And that is really hard. Like, as you know, that's really hard to sell politically because it's complicated and we're all busy. And frankly, none of us want to spend this much time. Like, I certainly don't want to spend this much time thinking about housing. I don't know about you, but it'd be Mm -hmm. nice to, like, not have to worry about this so much. But, um, you know, the, the between here and there there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of policies. There's a lot of change. Yeah. Well, sadly, years and years and years of kicking the can down the line and a lot of talk and less walk from government, I think, has brought us to this point. And they do have to fix it. Um, It'll take real leadership on this. Nonetheless, appreciate your time on this. And we'll see what you dig up for next week. Thanks, Kat. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. That is uh, Kat Eschner, who is uh, TVO's affordability reporter. Uh, you know, the one thing I go back to is, you know, the, what's the solution? A capital gains tax on, on home ownership? No, because you will decimate the middle class, which I was saying it relies on the one thing that they own uh, to retire and, and live out their life. Um, again, I say get rid of the red tape and, yeah, get rid of things that can af- help young people get into the market. So $100,000, you know, you save that up. And then you have to come up with another $100,000 for the land transfer taxes and or the overcosts of having to build. I mean, you know, that all matters.